Hey, this is Pastor Brian, lead pastor of Centerpoint Church, Ken Island. We want to thank you for tuning in to our podcast, and we would love to connect with you more. You can do so by following us on Instagram at CenterpointKI or on our church website, www.centerpointchurchki.com. At Centerpoint, we are a community of believers passionately pursuing Christ. Our prayer here is that this message will inspire you and ignite a passion within you to cause you to have a deeper walk and more intimate relationship with God. Again, thank you for tuning in and please enjoy the message. We're going to continue a series here uh, entitled Hearing the Voice of God. Now, I want to show you guys this picture on the screen. Um, I am a huge movie guy. I love all movies. I love, yeah, I know, really, right? I love all kinds of movies. I love all kinds of things, uh, movie and TV related. And so one of my favorite cartoon slash animated movies of all time is the movie Shrek. I love Shrek. If you haven't seen Shrek ever, why? And where have you been? But if you're not familiar with Shrek, I'm going to give you a quick overview. There's this green guy, an ogre, who lives in the swamp. And he is loving his life of being mean, angry, and cantankerous and alone in his swamp. And he's having a great time doing him. And all of a sudden, one night as he sits down to have dinner, he finds these fairy tale creatures popping up at his doorstep. First, the three blind mice are on his table. And then next, uh, they slide over uh, a Snow White. And she's asleep in her comatose state. And he says, dead broad off the table. And he pushes that off. And then he opens up. He goes to throw the three blind mice out. And he opens the door. And in front of the doorstep are all the fairy tale creatures that have been evicted from their fairy tale land. So he says, I'm going to get you guys off my swamp as soon as possible. He rolls up to the, uh, to the king, Lord Farquhar, at that time and says, listen, I want all these people off of my property. And he says, no, I don't think I'm going to do that. And he says, oh, you're going to do it. And you're going to get rid of them right now. And he says, if I'm going to do that. Let's kind of work out a situation. How about you go get the princess that I want to marry and you go save her, rescue her from the dragon, and I will get all these fairy tale creatures off of your property. And Shrek says, fine, no deal. He hooks up with a donkey, a talking donkey, an annoying donkey, a dense, irritating beast of burden is how he describes them. And they go find the princess, rescue the princess from the dragon, and all of a sudden Shrek and the princess start to fall in love. Y'all with me? And the story rolls on from there. I love this story because this story and these kinds of movies are not about a setup of A, B, C, D, and E. It's about circumstances. Something totally random pops up and happens, and it begins to be this process of a story that unfolds and through the circumstances and the events becomes the movie and becomes the, the purpose, the cause, the, the conclusion, the climax, the ending, it's a wonderful thing, but it all happens because of circumstances. Just something popped up that took place. I want to share with you in the Bible this story that deals with a man and his donkey. How ironic. And in this story, we're going to see another way that God speaks to us. Pastor Sean talked about God speaking to us audibly, whether an external voice or an internal voice, but then also... God speaks to us through circumstances. And for the next few moments, I want to share hearing the voice of God and recognizing the voice of God through circumstances. If you guys would please stand as we read God's scripture. We'll be reading from the book of Numbers, chapter 22, 
verses 18 through. Then Balaam answered and said to the servants of Balak, Though Balak were to give me his house full of silver and gold, I could not go beyond the word of the Lord my God to do less or more. Now therefore, please, you also stay here tonight, that I may know what more the Lord will say to me. And God came to Balaam at night and said to him, If the men come to call you, rise and go with them, but only the word which I speak to you that you shall do. Hey, man, you guys can be seated. Now, if you're like, I don't know no Balaam, I don't know no Balak, what story is this? I hope you out. Balak got a bunch of uh, Israelites coming into his country and his territory, and he is nervous. He heard that God is with these people. He knows that they continue to grow and multiply. That means they make a lot of babies. They grow and multiply. He's worried that they're going to eat him out of his kingdom, and they're going to eventually move him out of his kingdom because they're going to be such a huge populace of people that he'll end up, him and his people will lose his kingdom. So he sends a group of messengers over to Balaam because he's heard that Balaam is a prophet of God. And whoever Balaam blesses, those people will be blessed and will expound and, and will live life on their highest levels. And if Balaam curses somebody, those people will be cursed and receive the curses that Balaam has given them because God is with Balaam. So he sends messengers over to Balaam and says, Balaam, I need you to curse these people of Israel that they would get up out of my kingdom. And he prays to God and God says, nope, that's not the move I want you to make. And Balaam sends the king's messengers back to him. The king is so upset that he sends bigger and greater and more important messengers and he sends them back to Balaam. He says, Balaam, I promise if you come do this thing, I'll give you all kinds of wealth and riches. You'll be great. Come over here and curse the people of Israel. And Balaam says, even if God gave me your mansion with all kinds of silver and gold in it, I wouldn't go do it because it's pointless because only I can do it if God tells me to do it. Here's what you do. Spend another night here. Let's see what God has to say and we'll move forward. And God gives Balaam specific instructions on how to operate if the people come to him in the morning and say, will you still ride with us? And Balaam goes. He said, then you go. God gives him very specific instructions. And now we pick up the story here. Didn't I do a good job bringing y'all to where we are? You're welcome. I'm going to share with you five points on hearing the voice of God through circumstances. Here's the first point I want to share with you. God sends a message. Look at Numbers 22, verses. So the next morning, Balaam got up, saddled his donkey, and started off with the Moabite officials. But God was angry that Balaam was going, so he sent the angel of the Lord to stand in the road to block his way, as Balaam and two servants were riding along. Are you going to ask yourself, why? Why is God mad at Balaam? He told him in the morning, go ahead and ride with the guys. That's not what God said. God said to Balaam in verse 22, and God came to Balaam at night and said to him, if the men come to call you, Rise and go with them, but only on the word which I have spoken. You read verse 21, and it says, So the next morning, Balaam got up and settled his, saddled his donkey. Did the men talk to Balaam? No. He just got up, and he saddled his donkey, and he went on his way. One of the ways that God speaks to us in circumstances is understanding that if you and I have done something that's offensive to God or that is sinful to God, he will start to set up a message to speak to us through our circumstances, which is one of the ways he speaks to us. Y'all with me so far? The other way and the other reason why Balaam was in trouble is because it tells us later on in the Bible in 2 Peter verse 2.15 
they have forsaken. It's talking about all these people that have done different things that have been displeasing to God, their mentality, their motive, their heart, whatever. And he says in 2 Peter 15, they have forsaken the right way and have gone astray following the way of Balaam, the son of Balar, who loved the wages of unrighteousness. Remember that these people had promised Balaam a lot of money if he came over here and cursed the people of Israel. So Balaam didn't wait to hear from God, uh, didn't wait to hear from the people in the morning to invite him to go with him again. He got up and started on his way. Why? Because the Bible tells us in 2 Peter, he was motivated by money. Y'all with me? Money is not evil, but our motivation will tell us where God's heart is. And so if our motivation is to do evil, if our motivation is to do good, God will respond to us sometimes in circumstances and communicate through us through circumstances based upon our motive, whether good or bad, or if we have sinned. Y'all with me so far? And so Balaam saddles his donkey, motivated by money, doing things the way he wanted to versus how God spoke to him. And so God wants to get his attention through circumstances. And the minute that God sees our heart, whether good or bad, or whether we have sinned, he is already sending us a message. He's already giving us input. He's already getting ready to tell us something. In this particular passage of Scripture, it tells us that God was angry with Balaam, and he goes and puts an angel in front of him to stand on the road. God is already setting up a circumstance or a situation to block him from getting involved in something he has no business getting involved in. Balaam made up his mind. Balaam had a decision to do, and he decided to go down the path he wanted to. And as soon as he saddled his donkey, God had already provided a message, which was, this is not where I want you to go. He has already set up and orchestrated everything you need to know to give you the answer on where or where not to go and what to do and what not to do. Y'all with me so far? I don't believe you, Pastor Brian. That's fine, because I got scriptural support. Check out point number two. God moves up. Watch this. Balaam's donkey saw the angel of the Lord standing in the road with a drawn sword in his hand. The donkey bolted off the road into a field, but Balaam beat it and turned it back onto the road. So the donkey sees the angel, not Balaam. Balaam's not looking for God in this moment. He's looking to do what he wants to do because he's focused on his mission and his agenda. And God puts something in front of Balaam. He puts an angel in front of Balaam that Balaam can't see because he's too focused on the mission. And so God uses this circumstance to have the donkey take him in a different direction. He moves him from where he wanted to go, and Balaam responds in anger. Isn't that how you and I operate quite often, that when things don't go the way we want it to go, we get angry with life? We get angry with life. We get angry with people. We get angry with the vehicle that's not moving the way we want it to go because things aren't happening how I want it to happen. And what we don't understand is that a lot of times God is speaking to us in the very middle of our circumstances, and if things aren't going the way you want them to go, you probably should step back and say, what's going on? But Balaam doesn't. Balaam does what a lot of us do when things don't go our way. We get angry. And not only do we get angry, but he takes his frustration out on the thing that's closest to him. Man, I'm preaching already. Good God. 
So Balaam's anger and frustration is taken out on the very thing that's closest to him because he can't go where he wants to go. It's not that he can't get to where he wants to get to. He takes his anger on, on the thing that's the closest to him at that moment, which is the donkey, and it says that he beats the donkey. How many people have you been beating with your attitude, with your words, with your action, because it's not going the way you want it to go? How many times have you offended your spouse because the job didn't happen the way you wanted to, or they didn't respond to you the right way on the job as you thought they should have. How many times have you taken it out on your kids because you were angry with your wife or your husband? What's quiet today? Come on, get us to the game, Pastor Brian. I'll get y'all there in a few minutes. It's the thing closest to Balaam that he takes his anger out on because God moved him from where he wanted to go. And here's the prophet of God, the man of God, the person that communicates with God on a regular basis, doesn't even consult God on why things are moving. All he knows is things are moving. And because it's not going his way, he's angry and he's taking his frustration out on the closest things next to him. Check out this next point, point number three. God narrows our then the angel of the Lord stood at a place where the road narrowed between two vineyard walls. When the donkey saw the angel of the Lord, it tried to squeeze by and crushed Balaam's foot against the wall. So Balaam beat the donkey again. This is a critical point I don't want you to miss. When God is speaking to us through circumstance, he begins to narrow the options that we have to understand he's trying to funnel us and channel us into a certain direction or way. Say it again. When God is trying to speak to us, he begins to narrow the options that we have to funnel us and channel us in a certain direction. So in other words, there's times when you and I may have 10 or 12 options and we're very excited about the options and all of a sudden out of nowhere, 10 to 12 options have come down to two and we didn't get a chance to pick none of them. And we're sitting there talking about why do I only have two options when I had 12? This is dumb. Why can't I, why don't I have the freedom and the privileges that I thought I had initially? Why are things so what? Tight. Why is money tight? Why is my husband or wife's attitude so tight? Why do I feel so angry and frustrated? Why am I so tight? What's going on externally that's squeezing me into a situation and funneling me into somewhere I don't want to go that I'm not comfortable with? Why are things becoming narrow for me? And it's because God says I need to narrow your mindset and, and, and aspects and views and concepts so that you can start to see that I'm trying to get you to a place of concentrated focus. I'm speaking. It doesn't happen the other way as well. Sometimes God speaks to us and he blesses us and he narrows down these opportunities because the door becomes so wide you ain't got no choice but to walk through it. Anybody else been there before? I've got option A through Z and all of a sudden option 1A comes up and you say 1A is not in the alphabet, it's 26 letters. A through Z, I got 26, where did 1A come from? And 1A opens up and 1A is so big and so wide and so grandiose, you can't help but step through it. It's a big blanket sign. Come on in. You're welcome. 
And I got no choice to say, wait, better pay, better situation, better this, better that. The benefits are greater. Less time I got to work, less time I got to be at home, and I'm getting paid. Bam, this is a great option. Running through the door. God narrowed it. The option 1A became so big and so beautiful and so amazing and such a blessing of God, you couldn't help but run through it. Man, I'm preaching. Flipping back to the negative, unfortunately, is that when we start to make decisions to go down paths that we had no business going down, and this starts becoming very narrow, that God's speaking to us, trying to get our attention, but we are ignoring the voice of God. It says, when things start to get narrow, the circumstances start to get tight, it hurts us. Balaam's foot was crushed against the wall. Because I'm in a tight, confining space, it starts to hurt. It applies pressure in areas I don't want to be pressured in to do stuff I don't want to do. It hurts. And the narrow path is the path that God is trying to say, I want to get your attention, and you're so focused on the mission that an ass can see what you shouldn't do. <laughs> I cussed on, I cussed three. I got away with it. There are some people that, that are foolish that can see. There are people with less intelligence or less understanding that can get the path that you're going is not the direction and the path you ought to go, but yet and still you're trying to fit yourself through a narrow gate and it's starting to hurt you. It's hurting your relationship with your friends, hurting your relationship with your family, hurting your relationship with your spouse, hurting your finances, your pockets, your money's tight, your bank account look weird. Where all them zeros go? How my black turn to red? How I become paycheck to paycheck? Uh, is it gas or is it lunch today? Man, y'all, y'all ain't nobody, nobody been there. Y'all are much planned. <laughs> How did life start getting so tight and narrow that I'm, that I'm in this uncomfortable, painful position? It's because God is saying, I'm trying to narrow it down that you can understand. You've got all this stuff in front of you. Let me bring you back to focus. And sometimes I've got to narrow the way to bring you back into focus. Point number four. It says, eventually, oh, let, me, let me slow down, let me slow down, let me slow down. Let me slow down. Yeah, yeah, thank you. So they squeezed him, it crushed him, it hurt him. Balaam's foot was all mashed up against the wall. And what does Balaam do? Beat the dog. Doesn't stop to ask God why and what's going on and why me. Beats the donkey. Why is he beating the donkey? One, because he's angry. And two, he's willing to get this thing to take him wherever it needs him to go, no matter how much force he has to apply. You and I, in times when life doesn't go the way we want, and after we've expressed our anger, we'll start beating something to make it go the way we want it to go. We'll start applying pressure when pressure's being applied to us, and we're applying it to the wrong vehicles and to the wrong people. We're applying pressure to people and lifestyles and situations and thinking and attitude because life isn't going the way I want it to, and we're applying all this pressure. And now once did he ask God, why? Why isn't it working? Why isn't it going the way I want it to? Why isn't it happening the way I want it to? 
Why? I'm going to show you why. Point number four. God shuts everything down. Watch this. Then the angel of the Lord moved farther down the road and stood in a place too narrow for the donkey to get by at all. This time when the donkey saw the angel, it lay down under Balaam. In a fit of rage, Balaam beat the animal again with his staff. He's a rough dude. Not only is the road narrow, now everything is shut down. I am the, the driver in my household. I drive all the time. And my wife is the driver. When she's doing her thing, taking the kids, and we got a billion kids, we got to go multiple directions. She's driving two or three. I'm taking two or three or one, or I'm on my way to go do something. I'm the, I'm the, I'm the driver. We went down to uh, Marshall University last weekend for Tank to, to meet the college coaches and all that good stuff. And it was a seven-hour ride. And as soon as my wife got to my, my job, I told her to slide on over. I hopped in the driver's seat. I've been working a glorious eight hours. And after I finished working those eight hours, I came downstairs with my book bag ready to hop in the car at 5 o'clock because you know, I'm, on, I'm on time. I'm on a schedule. Let's go. Boom, 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 boom. Let's happen. And I got down there and I see no car. I said, where you at, girl? She said, traffic is horrible. I'll be there in an ETA of 45 minutes. Man, sitting in my office 45 minutes, twiddling my thumbs. I wasn't doing no more work. <laughs> that ain't what happened. That laptop is packed away. That ain't what happened. And at 545, I hopped in the car and drove seven hours straight. And at 1 o'clock, we, uh, we got to Kentucky. Now, if you don't know where Marshall University is, it's 30 minutes, into, uh, past, it's 30 minutes before Kentucky. Our, the cheapest hotel that was nice was 30 minutes past that. Y'all with me? So I drove 30 minutes past Marshall for the cheap hotel, because I like two nights for $199. It was nice. So a little extra gas or, or a couple hundred more for, for a place six miles away, I'll take 25 miles longer. Y'all with me? Drove all the way down there. We did Marshall University. Yeah, it was great. It was wonderful. Oh, wonderful. Yay. We done our stuff and got all the pageantry and the pictures and met the coaches and all that great stuff, and that was wonderful. And understanding that as much as my plan was to get there at 12 o'clock, because I wanted to sleep, we got there at 1 o'clock. And I can sit in my office from 5 to 5.45 and cuss my wife out in my head and figure out why she bought a GPS and not just go down the straight way versus going down 395 in D.C. on a Friday, which is the craziest thing you could ever do. Make sure she can. Make sure the door's closed. <laughs> I don't want her to hear me. Why didn't she go that way? Instead of me being angry and frustrated, I said, oh, well. Let's take advantage of this time and let's find some time to spend with God. Pull out the word. Let's read. And my wife got to sit in the car and she says, oh, I love being a passenger princess. I just get to sit here and you drive and I'll talk and, and I'll pontificate and you drive and focus on police officers and where they might be. And I did all that driving. And she asked me, do you want me to ride? And I said, you want me to drive? I said, no. Drove seven hours, came back up seven hours. I said, no. There's something about when you have an opportunity to come out from the driver's seat and just sit down and think for a second. The conversation, the dialogue, the, the interaction, the relationship that she and I had after such a long and, and, and tough last year and a half was phenomenal. The connection we had for seven hours down and seven hours back was phenomenal because we got to come out from the driver's seat 
And she got to sit down and talk and we could dialogue and be friends again in a more friendly manner. Y'all with me? Sometimes God needs to shut you down and remove you from the driver's seat so that you can work on building relationship and dynamic and understanding and recognizing where he's trying to take you and go. And sometimes there's no issues, no problems. He just moved you from the driver's seat that you didn't have to worry about anything but just relax and be in the presence of God and understand I have plans and purpose for you. And God says, I got to shut you down so that you can get in contact and communication with me. There's other seasons of life where God shuts our vehicle down and shuts us down to get our attention to speak to us. The marriage doesn't work, finances doesn't work, health doesn't work, all kinds of things shut down and close up so that God can get our attention and get us to focus on who he is. The shutting down process isn't necessarily a bad thing depending on where you are in life. But if he's trying to get your attention through circumstances, he will shut you down. Y'all hear me? I was laying in bed at the hospital for five days with, with COVID and tubes in my nose. I had a lot of things to think about. When my lips are blue and my wife is making a 20-minute ride to Anne Arundel Hospital, I had 20 minutes to think to myself, I haven't been the best person in the world, but I think I did a good job. I haven't, been the, I, 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 haven't, I haven't done all the stuff I wanted to do as a father, but I think my kid will carry on moving forward with the things that I've instilled with them and have given them. I think that they are financially secure with the insurance plans that I have in place. Y'all with me? You start to think about things a little differently when you realize you only have about two hours of oxygen left before you get to the hospital. When you get to the hospital and they put you on the bed and you only can take one step from, from the gurney to getting on the CAT scan without the oxygen, you feel like you're about to pass out. This thing is kind of run through your head a little differently. Y'all with me? When they come and say, hey, do you want to try this magic medicine that just came out two weeks ago? You want to try this thing called Rendesivir? I'll try it, stab it, give it to me, shoot it to me, I'll snort it, whatever you need me to do. You want to sign these documents? Absolutely. What am I, I could be signing the liver away. I don't know, I'm signing it today, baby. I want to breathe. And after five days in the hospital, I wasn't worried about getting home. I was worried about what is God trying to say to me in this time? Now, woe is me. Why is me? Why that had to happen to me? What about why I missed Thanksgiving dinner? Uh, blah, blah. Who got me sick and why they get me sick? Ah, uh, God, what do you want to say to me in this time while I'm here? Wasn't mad at nobody. I was glad to be quiet. Y'all catch that? I was glad to be quiet. I was glad to not have to be Bother with stuff. I was glad to figure out what does God want to say to me in this time of, 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 of disaster and shutdown? And what do I take from this time of shutdown? That I can be more impactful for God's kingdom and for my family. What, God, do you want from me in the shutdown? Balaam ain't say none of that, man. Balaam ain't say, thank you, Lord, for this donkey shutting down. Thank you, Lord, for this opportunity to figure out I am so frustrated. What could you possibly be speaking to me in this time and in this manner, O God of the universe? No, Balaam says in a fit of rage, he beats his animal again, and this time with a staff. Which probably means the first two times he was slapping it upside the head and kicking it in the ribs and, yeah, yeah, let's go, whip, whip, whip. And finally, because now it just stopped 
It says he grabs his staff. It didn't mention the staff the first couple times. And so now he's taking his staff and he's beating this thing in love. No, 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 no. He's beating this donkey in a fit of rage. All the curse words you could imagine, I believe Balaam was spitting out of his mouth. Anger. He was probably swinging that thing like a baseball bat. Said, yeah, come on, donkey. You Everything was flying out of his mouth. It's funny that when we are angry and things don't go the way we want it to, after we've taken it out on whoever is closest to us, we'll then turn to objects to inflict pain on them and ourselves. So I've been to the gym. I've been going to the gym. I know every time I get in that gym, an hour and a half, I'm stronger, baby. The next day, I hurt more. Anybody, you know, yeah, that hurt. I only know what this thing, this thing from here to here, that hurt. I went on the elliptical for the first time in years. These things that are called calves. Oh, them jokers hurt right now. I woke up. Oh, them things hurt today. I'm walking around in the power of the Holy Ghost. I know what I sit down. The spirit will leave. I'm in a lot of pain later on. So every time he's inflicting pain and, and, and doing it with rage and with attitude and with malice and with hate, with hate and spite, exhausting and using all of his energy and force, he's not only hurting the thing, he's hurting himself. And he's using an avenue of something to hurt it. And so when we get so frustrated because life doesn't go the way we want it to, we'll find an avenue of something, alcohol, drugs, porn, sex, lack of sex, withholding sex, turning into a sex animal. We'll turn into all kinds of and do all kinds of things using these instruments that ultimately hurt us but hurt the people closest to us. Gambling, drugging, drinking, words attitude, not going to do, refuse to do, shutting up, tight up, uh, withdrawing from. So we're hurting the people we're closest to, but also hurting ourselves because things don't go the way we want them to. Instead of sitting down and, and taking that energy, that time, and investing and asking God why and what are you trying to show me and get to me, we want to use our energy and our time to hurt others while we hurt ourselves. Point five when Balaam is Then the Lord gave the donkey the ability to speak. What have I done to you that deserves your beating me three times? It asked Balaam. You have made me look like a fool, Balaam shouted. If I had a sword with me, I would kill you. But I am the same donkey you have ridden all your life, the donkey answered. Have I ever done anything like this before? No, Balaam admitted. Then the Lord opened Balaam's eyes, and he saw the angel of the Lord standing in the roadway with a drawn sword in his hand. Balaam bowed his head and fell face down on the ground before him. Let's stop for a minute. Let's take a moment to laugh. From verse 28 to 30, for three verses, Balaam is arguing with the donkey. He is holding intense conversation with an animal that should not be able to speak. 
for three whole verses. If I had a sword, I'd kill you. What did I do? I've never done that to you before, dog. What's going on? Why are we acting like this? Man, I hate your guts. He's having an intense fellowship. You and your, you and your spouse. You and your spouse. We're having intense fellowship. You're not fighting. We have an intense fellowship. Y'all fighting. Y'all was arguing. They're having intense fellowship. They're arguing. He's he's frustrated. He's asking why. He is so angry that the most ridiculous, most shouldn't happen situation seems normal to him. That's a great way to know that God is trying to get your attention when the foolishness that's happening around you shouldn't even be happening. You should step back and say, what is this? Y'all, yeah, y'all with me? The minute the doggy started speaking, he should say, whoa, okay, hold on. <laughs> All right. Is the doggy speaking? Donkey, you can speak? Yes, Shrek, I can speak. Wait, hold. What happened? He's so enraged and so furious that in weird, unusual situation that's taking place, he is now conversing with it. I told you I ain't getting. I, I I went down. I went down to to Marshall University. I, I drove seven hours. Bed was killing my back. I got up at two thirty. Got there at one thirty. Went to bed at two o'clock. Woke up at two thirty. Back on fire. Went to sleep. Woke up at four thirty. Back extra on fire. Sat in the chair. Dozed off and on for the rest of the night. Got up at seven thirty. Did an eight hour, six hour tour at at, at Marshall University. Went back to the hotel. Nine o'clock. I crashed for like two hours. And Rosie got in the bed. I had to change my position. I couldn't lay across the bed. I had to lay the way you're supposed to lay in the bed, back on fire. Woke up at 12.30, saw my, my phone and was mad. I was hoping it was five. Does that mean I got a whole lot more nights to go, more, more hours than this night to go? Woke up at 2.30, back on fire, sat back into the chair, turned on the TV. There was a nice episode of NCCI New Orleans. I watched about four of those. Five o'clock, I got to drive. Forced myself back to sleep. Back up at 9, waking up off and on, boom, boom, boom. My sleep is horrible. My attitude's horrible. Monday happened. I said, Monday, I sent out a text message. Somebody sent me a text message back. I said, hey, listen, there's obligations for things you said you was going to do. I need you to do things that you said and committed to doing. They started going back and forth with me. They started saying stupid stuff. And I sat in my office from 12, excuse me, from, from 158, excuse me, 1258 to 221. Texting. And I wasn't shooting bullets. I went for the for the Moab. Went for the mega bomb. I text me a long response. It was an hour and a half response because I went back and I checked the grammar. I went back and I checked the grammar and read it four or five times and I took out the stuff that was mean and said the stuff that was pointed and I was ready to send. And close to the end of that text message, I started laughing. I started laughing at the end of the text message. I laughed so hard, I started putting face laugh emojis in the text message. I said, boy, you got me laughing. Because you crazy and you making me crazy. And I had to step away from the text message for a second. And ask people, yo, am I am I tripping? Should I send this? Let me ask, let me ask your thoughts on how I should respond. Because in this moment, 
when things are supposed to flow for the next plan that we have and you're shutting down the momentum, I'm so mad because you shutting down my stuff that I'm responding in anger and attitude. I'm bringing up stuff from 10 years ago. Oh, it's all this. I'm ready to light it up and press in. I'm ready to go, baby. And I don't care about your response. Because I'm not Pastor Brian Wright. I'm B-Wade. <laughs> and that's a whole other person. This should be dead on the cross. Crucified with passions and desires. And I'm about to bring out that old person. And so as everything shuts down, as everything becomes, let me ask myself, am I being ir ir irrational? Am I, am, I, am I in a process, in a situation where stuff is so crazy, I just need to back up and say, God, where are you? What? I mean, get some wise counsel. Should I even, where am I at? Balaam doesn't do that. He just goes for three verses, boom, 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 firing away. And then verse 30, uh, it says, verse 30 says, the donkey says, uh, but I'm the same donkey you have ridden all your life. The donkey answered, have I ever done anything like this to you before? And Balaam admits, no, sometimes God uses the closest people and the closest things to start bringing clarity and realization and what's going on. Because through circumstances, God speaks, he sets up, he narrows, he shuts down, and he will bring clarity. But it wasn't until Balaam started asking questions. And the problem with you and I is that we don't ask questions. We formulate plans how to get back on track. And if it didn't work this way, we set up five different scenarios so that we can make it work, so that we can back on track. But we've never consulted the Lord on what we should do. And if we have consulted the Lord, the most normally that we do is, God, will you be with me when I do this instead of, God, where should I be when I do this? Is this something you even want me to do? So we'll set up plans to tell God to tag along with us versus asking God, where should I tag along with you? Y'all catch that? God, this didn't work, so I'm going to get a plan to get us back on track here in my five options. God, which one sounds the best? I like C. C it is. Come on, God, work with me and give me grace while we go through C. And God said, hold on, man, wait, what you doing? So God gives Balaam clarity with all the chaos and confusion going on, all this wild uh, interaction and, and conversation and dialogue with things that shouldn't even be happening, stuff that's out of the order in the will of God, stuff that's just not natural. God has this conversation with, with uh, Balaam has this conversation with this donkey that then begins to allow Balaam to understand how crazy and he gives him clarity. The sea and the chaos, this is not where you're supposed to be. Pastor Ryan, you're preaching, I am. Because I believe if you're experiencing hellish levels of chaos, you probably should step back and ask, where is God? God, where are you? And God, give me clarity to understand through the chaos of finances, the chaos of relationships, the chaos of marriage, the chaos of parenting, the chaos that I feel within myself, internal, mental, physical, emotional stress, anger, uh, all this chaos. Where are you, God? How can I get back in track with you? And it says, when he has clarity, when the donkey says, have I ever been this way? And Balaam says, no, it says, then the Lord opens his eyes. And he sees the angel of the Lord standing there in the road with the drawn sword to his hand, in his hand. Balaam was so close to forcing the situation that he almost lost his life. I want y'all to catch that. When it started out, there was an angel in the middle of the road to block him. 
his ability not to focus in and catch God in all the different situations had changed the stance of the angel being in the road like, all right, this is not where you're supposed to go. All right, don't do that. All right, man, stop playing. All right. Do y'all see that? If we keep forcing the issue in certain situations and circumstances, the Lord will have somebody to chop us down a few. And what will it cost you if you force the issue to the point where you have to meet the sword? Will it cost you a relationship? Will it cost you an opportunity? Will it cost you a job, a marriage, a kid? What will it take for you to understand how much do you got to deal with? How much of the swing of the sword do you have to take before you realize, before I even get to that point again, let me just ask you guys, what you doing? He says, Balaam was this close to his life being over or experiencing some major blow that would take him out. That he has clarity and revelation. God reveals to him the plight of his situation. And it says that Balaam bows his face down on the ground before him. You know what that means? It means that Balaam got off his donkey got off his ass and dropped his face to the ground, humbled himself for And when he got off his ass, his high horse, and humbled himself to the Lord, face to the ground, asking for forgiveness, recognizing that in all the chaos and all this stuff, God had been speaking and trying to get his attention. God says, from that moment on, now I can tell you what you need to do and how you need to do it. Now follow. And Balaam's life changes in a major point, in a major way, and uses this story as his testimony of how he almost lost his life or lost something because he didn't pay attention to the circumstances of God speaking to how God used him in a mighty way. If you want to hear the voice of God and experience the power of God, and you're going to have to get off your ass and humble yourself. Your vehicle of transportation, not the physical thing. Get off your, your vehicle of transportation. It's taking you down a path that God had no business with you going down. And to be alert and pay attention to the circumstances God has placed in your life. You hear? And when we're walking in the blessings of God, be able to ask him as, as the doors are opening, God, is this you? God, do you desire for me and my family to make this move, for me to make this move, to be in your presence, to be in your place, to be in the spirit of you, that I can fulfill what you desire? Because you will feel God start to make things move. You will feel God begin to narrow things down. You'll feel God shut some things down to give you clarity and revelation in your circumstances. Recognize and hear the voice of God. And if you're obedient, recognize the process early and earlier. It took Balaam to get to point five, if you can recognize it in point two. If you could sit there and you and I could be obedient in point one, how much more could we walk and how much faster could we have the freedom to be in the very power and the very center of God? to experience the best that he has for us, be the men and women God has chosen us to be.
here's your point, your takeaway for today. God is speaking to us every moment of the day. We must look to see and hear God in every moment of our day. I'll say it again. Feel free to take a picture of it. It's cool. God is speaking to us every moment of the day. We must look to see and hear God in every moment of our day. He is constantly speaking to us. Through circumstance and situation, it's for us to ask, God, is this you? Show me you. How can I respond and know it's you? And as we continue with this series, we'll talk about understanding and hearing God's voice as we did audibly to other aspects of, of hearing and putting this full picture together so that you can make the best decisions for your household, the best decisions for your spiritual life, for your health, for your family, and ultimately to be the servant of God. We want to thank you for joining us at Centerpoint Church, Kid Island. Here at CPKI, we are a community of believers passionately pursuing Christ, and today we hope that you're one step closer. Again, if you want to follow us, you can reach out to us at www.centerpointchurchki.com or on our Instagram page at centerpointki. We hope to hear from you soon, and may God's blessings be upon you. <laughs>